Tom Carter, which was like, you know, it was a three-picture deal. It was like, this is it. This is it, girl. You know, you I know, made like, it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was flown out to New York to like test for contact, not contact. Um, oh, the Sandra Bullock, that she won the Oscar for the astronaut movie. I mean, I oh, uh, gravity. Yes. I remember on that plane ride being like, I made it, you know, like, <laughs> yes. And then just like a year later, it was like, <gasps> like got like sand through my hands, sand through my hands. Welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Look at that flag. I know, right? It's so big. It's like just a huge flag. It's I love it. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for being flexible with the timing. Oh, gosh, please. I'm literally on lockdown at home. Like, it, it doesn't change anything for me. Right? Happy to be flexible. Um, where, where are you at right now? I am in L.A. Nice. What's the, what's the weather like there right now? Right now, it's probably like 83 degrees. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. You're in Chicago? I'm in Austin. You're in Austin. Why do I think you were in Chicago? I, I, that? I love Chicago. I lo You're in Austin. I love Austin. It's great, right? Yeah, it's it's it just hot in, you know, Austin. It's so rough. Yeah, it's rough. Rough right now. You grew up in Texas, though, right? Or at least partially, sort of? I grew up in Houston. You miss Houston? What do you think? How long has it been since you've been back? Oh, I go back every year, maybe twice, three times a year. Do I miss it? I mean, yeah, I, it's interesting you asked that question because it was yesterday, yesterday where I was like, okay, I'm really missing my family. I'm really missing the, you know, the pace is just different. Yeah. It's like everything's, um, not that things aren't accessible in LA, but it's just easier and and I think also I've made so much peace with my family and who I am and any sort of judgment I had on what Texas was and, and what it meant and how I was trying to rebel against that. It's just all gone. Now I'm just like, that's my roots. You can't separate yourself from your roots, you know? So yes, the answer is yes, I do miss it. And I really miss Austin. Austin's where I made my baby. I mean, oh, Austin wow. is like, yeah, that's a profound <laughs> town for me. I've always had, I only, I've lived there for only like months at a time, but like all the experiences I have there are so transformative. And you know, like Native Americans, that was like a sacred, sacred spot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, most people don't know that. They got these um, big trees, in fact, um, here from that as well, that were like, they gathered around the trees and they still remain here like the Native Americans did. Amazing cool. the springs and everything. Yeah, the spring. Yep, you're right. Texas as a whole, right? The South here. Um, it's what I love about Texas is that that part of that history as well. My mom's from Mexico, so I don't really know to what extent, you know, our history as far as that that lineage of my mom is, you know, 
I don't know, Aztec mind, right? Like that sort of old school. I have no idea, to be honest with you. It's once you, my mom doesn't even have like a real birth certificate from Mexico. Like it's the lineage is real hit or miss. I, I, I have to do that ancestry and me. I don't even know what that's called. The 20, <laughs> you know, what's yes. interesting? a conversation I also have had recently, which was the indigenous people of what we call Mexico. Like, all Mexicans are indigenous people. You know, it's the before the quote unquote white man came into this, this North American continent, there was no boundaries between any of it. It was, it was true. everywhere from, yeah. from Alaska all the way down. Yeah. And, and so in, in Mexico, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's in Central America, it's been kept pure in many ways. I mean, the Spanish came in, so I not, you know, but more so than America, right? Because America had such an influx of, of West, you know, Europeans, so to speak. So that's true. So yeah. even as we like, you know, deal with this sort of next wave of accepting people who are different from us, we're like, you know, the Mexicans are considered, you know, I don't know. I'm not a political person. I look at Me things. Neither. I'm talking about it now yeah. that these people are really like, they're, they're sacred people and, and still we don't have an, the majority of the collective consciousness doesn't have a grasp on that. And even like you say, like even the people don't understand like how precious they are, that they, they are the Aztecs, the Mayans, they, they are these, the lineage of these incredible, powerful tribes and their wisdom is being rebirthed now and all of us in a way. So it's interesting that they're the ones who are sort of being hurt the most right now because in actuality, I think they hold like probably like some pretty significant light codes for all of us, you know? Yeah, that's interesting where I look at it. Wow. Okay. Well, I feel a lot better about that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, you know, it's funny. It's, um, you know, I, I read that you had spent some summers in Japan growing up and kind of going back and forth between another country. Is that right? Is that... Yeah, I actually, we moved. So I had a sister who died when I was four. And oh, it was I'm sorry to hear that. So um, traumatic, right? So Exxon <sighs> sent my family. They had actually lived in Southeast Asia. That's where I was conceived. So they sent them back to Southeast Asia. I mean, Got me. It part of it. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we were there when I was four into, to Singapore and we were there until I was like 10 and a half. And then we came back to oh, Houston. Wow. And in that time, everything we would do in the summer was basically expense paid by Exxon. You know, thank you. Oh, Exxon. that's so, awesome. So awesome. <laughs> so uh, how many people say thank you Exxon right now? Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I am grateful. I'm grateful for, for that. Yeah. Um, and so we went everywhere and predominantly it was Asia that we mostly explored. We did go, we went to Greece and Denmark and where else did we go in here? But predominantly we would, it was Asia and my parents, my dad was, you know, from the get like super macho. So he <laughs> started exploring uh, martial arts early oh, wow. on in his life. He was, you know, a Marine and like, all sorts of other things. And when 
we moved back to Singapore, they got involved with a Okinawan style karate called Shitoru. And that's right, Shitoru. And they would then travel to Japan and study to get their dons, which are like, you know, you're a black belt, but then you keep going up levels. Oh, okay. I see. Wow. That is incredible. Incredible. And they pursued it because ultimately they then came back to Texas and started their own Shitaru Karate Association. Oh, really? That is, that is awesome. It is. It is pretty impressive. That is impressive. and, And even more, I think awesome is that they did it through Southern Baptist churches. That <laughs> that's even <laughs> crazier. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Wild. I love that. Yeah, it is wild. I love that. Wow. Wild. Yeah. So yeah. So now they they know how to defend themselves. That makes sense. A Southern Baptist now knows they, they need to uh, know. what to do because that cross to. I really do. You know, I have a complicated relationship with my father. He's been dead for three years, but. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. I I really do admire the balls to take Eastern philosophy into the heart of conservative Christianity. Absolutely. That's like, that's balls. I agree. I agree. I mean, absolutely. Look, I used to go to a Southern Baptist church for a couple years in my life when I was like 18 to 20, you know, searching for you know life or whatever you know what i mean just going through that journey in life and it was something i explored and you know it's a, there's a they're passionate people you know so yeah that, i can imagine um that would be intense um for sure and I, you know, I grew up in texas like i've been around it my whole life uh for the most part um you know i grew up in another you know my mom being from mexico i also spent summers over there and you know vacation that sort of thing and i'm wondering how that molded you because i know it did a lot for me that honestly i didn't notice till i was older i didn't really notice the difference that that had on me till i was older I, i'm curious if if you felt the same way did you just think oh this is how every kid grows up you know that's how i thought that's how i felt i knew it was special i knew I mean, it was like, it was my saving grace because when I got back at 10 and a half, you know, like a young girl going into puberty, it was like, I was in, I'm still in culture shock. I think it yeah. was, you know, technically like wherever I was in Asia, I was the minority, you know, like yeah, little that's Congo. true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, how I felt in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. I get it. And that there's a certain, um, humility that, came with really i mean first of all it, it was incredibly exciting to me i love traveling i love learning new things i mean i'm me a student you know yeah yeah me too and to to really have to be accepting of these other ways i i think it gave me a certain muscle that has allowed me to transcend a lot of difficulties both in my own personality and in, you know, and, and the external world. And I feel like with my child, I'm, it's interesting with this lockdown. I mean, the thing I think that gives me the most stress is that I know he's an explorer too, and I'm not able to feed that in him. Yeah. It's like on TV, like we've all the cooking shows, all the travel shows, we've seen them all. We've done them all. the more that we can expose ourselves and our children to other cultures, the better people we're going to end up being. 
you know, this interconnected world, like the internet has done it energetically. It's only a matter of time before that's really solidified physically that we're all connected. We're one family. You can't separate us and we depend on each other. And I really feel like that's what, what we're going through in 2020 is like the rock bottom where we realize that. And then we have to sort of figure out like, well, who we are, who we are as individuals now that this understanding is complete, you know? And the fact that if, if you are going to try to move forward with hatred in your heart, right? That threat of the other, you're going to be so miserable because there's no way forward, but, but togetherness, there's no other way. Yeah. Wow. I agree with all of that. That's amazing. Um, that's, I was expecting to hear all of this. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> great. Um, that you're absolutely right. Um, I completely agree. It's, it's the differences really that you need to, you know, pride yourself in with other people. I, I, you know, people always say, well, find the commonalities between people, but I actually find it's the differences between people that can help bring you together, uh, sometimes, you know, and being open to that. Um, I, I think that's great. Um, I, I've done that myself, just traveling, lived in other uh, countries. I lived in Europe as well for a few years. And that, you know, again, just just put, just forcing yourself into these situations and um, exploring the unknown. And um, you, you just realize it's not scary. Um, you know, it's not scary. It's not going to hurt me. Um, and in fact, you learn. You, you, you become this more well-rounded person, I think. You learn, you know from other people, but you also realize, wow, we're kind of all going through a lot of the same problems. You know, everyone's just trying to pay their bills or take care of their family, um, you know, find a meaning in life, uh, do good, you know, right. Leave, leave this world a better place than, than you found it, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think that's, you know, positive, um, as well, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree with your message. Where was the, in Europe, where was your favorite, what was your favorite spot? Um, I lived specifically in Spain uh, for many years, and I, yeah, I loved uh, Granada. I lived. I met my wife there, so my wife's from Spain, and um, yeah, Granada. Well, I lived in Galicia. If you're familiar with it, it's a region above Portugal. It's, it was considered wow. the in, end of the earth at one point in time. Um, it's where the settlers would go. Like that was the end. They get to the beach there, and they, that's it. They go no further. Um, wow. Beautiful. Yeah, just just amazing. I um, just beautiful, yeah, awesome. amazing. The food, the I, love, I love food. Yeah, I love food so much. So, you know, I'm a chef. Uh, that, that's what I do uh, mainly. Um, you know, not now, obviously, with the lockdown, and and I have this podcast now. I'm sort of transitioning, uh, but I still want to cook. I still want to do something like that. But yeah, food, right? I mean, let's talk food. What do you think about food, Lynn? Yeah, let's talk food. What well, What are you I'm into? A, I'm a Taurus sun and a Taurus moon and a Taurus Mercury. I don't know if you know anything about astrology, but basically like I don't is my love language. Nice. Um, yes. And uh, interesting, like in my family, my mom didn't really cook. So it was, <laughs> I know uh, she had five children. And she didn't really cook. Um, I don't know how that, how did we all survive? I don't know. Um, those those Velveeta cheese slices. They're yeah. like, <laughs> Oh, I started uh, cooking when I was like, when we got back to Houston, when I was like 10 and I was like, I'm not going to eat from this effing can. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so 
Because, you know, especially because in Singapore, like, you know, the women who would take care of me would be preparing, like, Malaysian food and, like, Chinese food and Indian food. And this, this mix of Singaporean cuisine is, like, oh, my God. I mean, literally, my mouth is watering as I'm talking about it. Oh, wow. I'm not giving that up. You can't expose me to like all of this amazing cuisine and then feed me like a can of corn. <laughs> you're right. That's a horrible transition. That's... Corn. <laughs> oh, that's... So, <laughs> I literally got cookbooks. I would buy cookbooks. I would go to the library and get cookbooks. And I did like the grandmother thing where I would like get index cards and like write <laughs> the recipe down. And like I had a file and I would basically cook for my family. And then it really just, we just went on from there to where, you know, I went to college in New York city and it was like, you know, loving to go into Chinatown in the East village and, it just became like my happy place where. Yeah. So you are adventurous. You will try. Adventurous. Yes. Yeah. And really like trying to pass that on with my son, which is interesting because, you know, up until I, most kids only like white food. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean like literally the color white. It's like yeah. if it's <laughs> bread and it's like cheese, like, yes. And like anything that has color, they're like, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> One thing I did, I have done, which I, I hope this translates as he gets older. When we were in New York, um, one time I was there for a premiere and I bring him wherever I go. And we had like cricket tacos at this, you know, really fancy Mexican restaurant. And, you know, he, he ate a couple bites, but he was only like three and he still talks about it now. And then you know, there's this ice cream store near us where on Halloween they have like a matcha ice um, ice cream with chocolate covered worms. And oh, wow. that is something he loves. He's had it, you know, two Halloweens in a row and he talks about it all the time. But, you know, particularly we're we'll talking about like Southern food. I think it would be hard to have comfort food without really talking about the South because there there is a pride there's a pride that comes with it there's an emotional kind of an extra and i, I guess maybe italians have it too like and i mean real you know italian oh, yeah and yes american italians as well it's a very that is a parallel those these two sort of sectors of our culture where the the density of the carbs and you know the the meat being cooked and stewed and cooked <laughs> And this real, like, when you sit down and eat, it, there's a decadence to it that isn't really talked, even really talked about. It's just like, this is how it is. This is what we do. Anyway, I don't know. I, for a long time, I was a vegetarian. And now I'm sort of like, I don't know who I am when it comes to meat. But <laughs> I know when I go home, you know, I do make everybody bless, bless the meat. I'm like, can we please say thank you to this cow? And That's and awesome. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't eat it if I don't. Both for selfish reasons and spiritual reasons, and because come on, let's be conscious of what we're doing here. You know, a hundred percent. Only yes. raise the vibration of the meal, you know, and of our body's experience of it. But Texas food is a different. It's not. I don't even know if I would consider it 
Southern cookie because there it's a diff, there's a difference. I, it's like a drier take on things, you know, okay. like you get fried okra from Mississippi versus fried okra in Texas. There's a different thing going on there. That's true. And literally, literally even the batter is different. Yep. And I, I also think if, well, I mean, I could go on and on about it, but I think with, with what's great is what's happening in Austin, at least when I was there last and, and in my twenties and early thirties is like our generation being like, okay, let's take this and let's elevate it. Like, yeah. yes. let's amp it up a notch to where we, we can consider it cuisine. And it isn't just like, this is what mama and daddy used to do. Where you take it to another level to where it beca it becomes more accessible to people who don't eat like that, you know? 100%. Food's the love language. And especially I, I would imagine like in this time where we don't, we can't go out to restaurants really. And if we do, it's takeout. And so we're being forced back into our own kitchen. And I think that is a huge benefit to this time. I agree. I agree. To have that emotional connection with the food that you're preparing and to have to work with your hands and to have to get back to the basics. I mean, if you're chopping vegetables with a knife, you've got to be in the present moment. You know, you got to yep. be. Yep. So tell me about your relationship with food. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. I love all, I love everything you just said. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel the same way. Um, look, you know, I, I love knowing where food comes from, you know, I'm a big proponent. Uh, I've had several farmers on the podcast, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, and it's basically regenerative farming that that's sort of the push that, that I'm all about. Um, and it's something that a lot of farmers are pushing. Um, and it's just taking care of the meats and knowing, you know, where they're coming from, um, butchering them right, right? This factory farming and how we uh, kill the animals. Stuff. I mean, it's absolutely just inhumane, yeah, right? That, and it's inhumane. Energy, when you have, oh my gosh, I could go into such a wormhole about <laughs> this, but when you, if you think about the Native Americans, they, when they would kill the bison, one of them, and it would be a chosen one, would like, go and like press their face up against the bison's face to share the last breath with the bison. Wow. Then they literally used every part of that animal. Yeah, that animal exactly. considered in some ways more sacred than the humans. And sure. that relationship of this land that we're in has been completely turned around to where most people don't even know where their meat comes from. And these animals are being killed with such a high level of adrenaline and the energy of fear in their body. And then we ingest that. We ingest that energy. That's and true. no wonder why everybody has like adrenal problems. And, sure. you know, we're like, yeah, diabetes and, uh, you know, obesity. Fear. It's through the roof. Uh, absolutely. So it's yep. not so much like telling people and, don't. and just the life of the animal too, not just the in moments that it died, right? Just the life that we give that, that they give that animal. It's not even a life. It's a, it's, it's horrific. Horrific. And that relationship between, you know, 
it goes deeper. It's like, it's also a relationship with the planet because the planet provides for us through the plants, through the water system, through the animals that she has carried. And we are to be the stewards of this. Now this is very biblical, but I believe it's true. As we sort of have a different consciousness than everything else, we have this ability to reflect on what we're doing. And yeah. what we eat, we literally, we know this through quantum physics, we become what we eat. So if 100%. we're eating these animals that we've tortured, like we are also becoming the tortured being. So it's both like, if, if you're not going to get people on, be kind to the animals, because some people are not there yet, you can at yeah. least get them like, well, do it for yourself, because think about what you're taking into your body. So it's, yeah. you know, I know that there's a huge, the veganism, and it is so valuable, that movement. Um, I met a lot of people who are, who are particularly like, they're as like militant as some of like the Christian conservatives that I grew up with. And I'm like, wow, this is so intense that this is so yes. intense. But yes. I understand where they're coming from. Oh yeah. And, and yet you eating is, like I said, if it's, if it's a love language that we know, you can't tell anybody else what to eat. You can't yeah. judge people for what they're eating. You can just educate them and you can share your opinions and, you know, have a meat, you know, can you still associate with people that eat meat or can you associate with a vegan if you're a staunch meat eater and you don't want that right taken away, whatever. At the end of the day, it's the consciousness is what is everything because on the other side of this, we're going, we're going to continue to face massive issues as a collective. Like it's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. And the food supply is something we're going to really confront in the fall and winter, I believe, because the people who are doing the farms on these big farms, they're all getting sick, right? Yeah. And yep, that's right. the, the, the people who are taking care of the meat and like, it's all, it's all breaking down. And so we are going to have to face these, these chains of supply breaking down and we're going to have to create a new way to deal with food on this planet. So exciting and terrifying because it, yeah. it requires that, I mean, like I said, when we're talking about the only way forward is togetherness, we're, it's like the only way forward is consciousness. Like, where is it coming from? How is it treated? And it's the same thing with our plants. Like, we can't be spraying pesticides that kill, right, all living things on the plant and expect to be well ingesting that when we are organic carbon-based material as well, you know? Yeah. There is a lack of... It's all evolution and consciousness, but there has been a lack of consciousness around food, a, a lack of logic. Sure. And, and Profit-based, you know, yeah. profit-driven. Yes. I mean, we could go into the talk of like, maybe there was some people who are a little bit, you know, with dark intentions, but I don't, I try not to go there anymore because it doesn't even really matter at this point. I mean, it, you're right. You're it's right. in the hands of the people. Like, yeah, 100%. We can talk about how we got here and we know how we sort of signed our lives away in many ways. But now when it comes down to it, you know, we, for me, it's important that I make decisions thinking about seven generations in the future. And I can't always nail it because the truth is we don't have the avenues yet in our society to really strengthen that idea. You know, you can kind of go just so far. 
you know, as far as even something as simple as what do I store my food in? Am I use how much plastic am I using? You know, now it's paper straws. Okay. It's like, that's great. But, but now what, you know, there's so much we have to think about to create it's sustainability for our babies and their babies and their babies. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So the long-term, you know, we have to think long-term instead of short-term, you know, that, that's the problem. Thinking of another generation besides your own is, a, is tough um, for people. I hope you it know. changes. I mean, I Me hope. Me too. I'm I think it is. I, I think there's a lot of uh, good, you know, grassroots movements um, that maybe aren't all interconnected, but they're all happening on small local levels of people being more conscious about the food they, they eat and more. There's definitely way more, you know, um, farm to table, you know, restaurants and farmers markets and, um, you know, places that now farm boxes and stuff. You know, you were talking about the supply chains earlier. Coincidentally, because of the pandemic, I hate to say this, but good has come out of it because there has been created some supply chains from the small town farmers who are now able to connect with just local residents, you know, just directly and buy food from them. And they're, you know, the farmers I've had on, for instance, and they've got pretty big ranches here in Texas, but either way, their sales have gone up a thousand percent. That's what they told me. I mean, they're like, we're, we're like living the dream right now. They're just like, this is great. More people are able to get food from us and we're creating bonds that that's i think the most important thing too is that they're building these relationships that will be for the future right and it gets it'll get more people into farming you know they say the average farmer when they start is 54. how crazy is that wow that's a crazy statistic to me you know who what career who thinks about starting a career so old (laughs) that's gonna be my third career dude it's yeah, totally there you go. Right. <laughs> so right. to get to astrology, this is fascinating because every I always like God. It, astrology just makes so much sense to me. The planet Uranus moved into the sign of Taurus about two years ago, and it's going to be there for like another six years. So Uranus is like great change. It's like the the archetype of like lightning, earthquake. It's rapid consciousness expansion it's where to look to the future so the fact that it's in the sign of taurus which is the earth farming it is it is the like um the farmer who takes care of the animals it's pleasure it's everything venusian you know like eating cooking the idea of um like the empress and tarot abundance and wealth but everything connected to the earth everything connected to the earth it's also money finances what we value how we're valued how how we deal with money so all of those issues that i just named are being revolutionized by this planet uranus so that means like farming revolutionized what we eat how we eat it revolutionized look at what's happened this year it's like literally how we what we eat is it right It's like, you know, this is where sort of Bitcoin came in and how is the financial system going to be revolutionized by it? Yeah, that's true. Right. But this every like they say, like, if you want prosperity in this time, you want to lean into these businesses that support 
this consciousness around food and the planet and animals and sustainability. And like, that's where the money lies. And look, every time it, it proves itself right. These farmer, you know, these farmers that are able to now distribute in different ways, they're like some of the only people who are banking right now. Totally. Yeah. So this is exactly. the business of the future. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's making that connection that the basically like the supply line that you were talking about, that's really the key is getting, I think most people, if they had a choice, right? If you, if you just walked up to them and said, here's this piece of meat and here's this piece of meat, right? They're going to be considerably different, but we could actually get them to the same cost even to people. They're going to choose the better one. There's no, but it becomes well, how do I get it? Right. Most people just, well, I don't even know how to get food from a farm. So I just go to, you know, the grocery store and buy the meat there Kroger. right so they just they got yeah, i go to kroger and and get you know talk to fred and he gives me my ground beef every week and yeah. and and no problem uh but if you just replace that meat for them even people don't even need to know about it in a lot of ways if we just say no, you know what i mean right? yeah yeah i mean that that's it that that's really gonna be what what makes the changes and i don't know i i do see changes happening but you know you made a great point earlier about the people need to sort of own it up themselves and take control themselves too, you know, and they, they've got to make a choice. And if, and if there's, if we can make the options easier and better for you, then the choice I think becomes easier, you know, as well. You know, I've encountered in the communities that I grew up, there's a certain resistance to, even when I brought these ideas home, a resistance to like, well, let's get, or can, let's get an organic turkey. And they're like, but that's so much more expensive. And I was like, <laughs> but dot, dot, dot. And it's like, you know, even though like there's prosperity within the family, it was like this, 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 this is how we do it. Why yeah. are we getting organic turkey? We don't need organic turkey. <laughs> so it's, it's, there's, there's a, this belief system has to switch where it's like, but wait a second, you're worth it. That's you're true worth too. having a, a piece that's a of good point. It doesn't have antibiotics in it. It doesn't have chemicals in it. You're worth tomatoes that haven't been sprayed with a death spray. Like you're worth it, yes. you know? It should and come it, with a little video. Every time you go to buy that meat, it shows you how it came to be or the plant is sprayed or whatever, you know? So you're just like, oh, that's what I'm about to eat or, you know, this uh, was, I don't okay, know. So interesting dealing with a five-year-old as he's learning like, you know, this is, this is made from an animal. This is not made from an animal. And we were watching, um, gosh, one of the Star Wars, this lockdown has been all about educating him on the mythology of Star Wars. I'm like, oh, it's okay, here we go. And there's one of the, one of the newer ones where on uh, Skywalker's island, Bizarre Island, where he like weirdly fishes along the cliff. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Cute AF little bird podgy things and Chewbacca's about to eat one of them and then like three of them are looking at him like crying my son was like turn it off turn it off <laughs> he literally for an hour was <laughs> sobbing he was like oh. how did he eat that and I said but he didn't he put it down because he saw what they were but he had killed it I'm never eating meat again. I'm never eating meat again. Like, wow. Connection that was made to, oh, the animals I eat have families, have mommies and daddies and sisters yeah. and brothers. And yeah. that was like this moment 
for him. And I'm like, wow, wow a five-year-old's having that. That's, totally. and you know, he, he does eat meat still. Like he, sure. he's in his mind where he was like, I get it. And I, we bless it and we, we thank it. But I'm wondering like if a five-year-old's having that and their generation is going to be much more conscious about this, like what is, what is, how does this translate to, you know, because when we talk about a collective consciousness, if one of us is having it and a realization, it's only a matter of time before it's the hundredth monkey syndrome where we're all having. Sure. Yeah. So I feel like we are waking up and, and you know, our lifetime, I don't, let's see what happens. I think with the planet Uranus, let's take it back there. That change happens really rapidly with Uranus as we're seeing like, holy God, could you have predicted this? that we could be getting boxes of fresh vegetables from some place that was our restaurant. I mean, Hey, that's not, I couldn't even have conceived of that. Yeah, absolutely. You're a hundred percent right. So I like to think positively because the more you see the positive, the more positive you're going to see. Yeah, so, that's absolutely true. Plus yeah. it's just a state of mind, you know, it just, yeah, you know, I tell my mother this all the time. My mother's very neurotic, and and I get it from her. I'm a little neurotic myself. Uh, that's why I like big cities. That's why they calm me down. People always like, why do you like big? I don't. I just I like that rhythm. For some reason, calms me down. But you know, I tell my mom all the time because she'll always just be worried about things, constantly worried and thinking about the negative, always thinking about the situation and what could bad happen right like and so i'm constantly telling her mom that you know you're you're literally creating the world you live in by having these thoughts you know and if you just think positively about what's going to happen then that's the world you live you're going to live in and if something bad does happen like anything in life we'll cross that bridge when we get to it and you'll only have to deal with it for the time you need to deal with it instead of dealing with it forever or living in that in that life so I don't know. I, I agree, though. You know, creating that positive uh, mind frame is, is essential. And, and, and creating that positive mind frame is, is like a muscle. And one of the ways that I feel like we can help ourselves, it really is about what we eat. You know, how much yeah. water are you drinking? Is your yeah. water clean? You know, use, I can see it in myself. There's, you know, there's a particular day, like I call my cheat day. And it's where I'm like, <laughs> we I'll all got eat. those, you know, what I mean? got. I'll just, I'll wolf down a pizza, like a grown man, or I'll, you know, I'll have, you know, two chocolate croissants in a sitting and whatever, you know, but I feel it. I feel even like when I eat a ton of sugar, it's harder to be in that higher vibration. So part of it all comes back to the food. You know, if you want, to be seeing the positive and really creating a positive life for yourself through your thoughts, through your feelings, through your perspectives and beliefs, you do have to look at what are you sustaining yourself with? So that also relates that's to like, what, what are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? You know? Yeah, that's true too. It is all connected. I mean, you're hundred percent right. Um, you know, not just with the food, it, it's not even just what you eat, but it's the whole journey you took to get there. It, it's also going to benefit your life. You're going to see the changes uh, from that as well. You know, um, you know, cooking with your family, uh, those moments, um, you know, can be great memories you look back on, right? Um, great dinners or family meals. Um, food can, you know, bring people together. You can have tough conversations over meals, right? I mean, meals are just, it's just something that really brings us together 
And I think, yeah, you know, watching what you eat and and giving it attention, just the same way people give attention to go do anything else. Just give it the same attention. Like you said, don't just get a can of you know cream corn. And, and now, granted, there are moments for that. Right. Like I get it that, that there's emergency, uh, you know, break, break glass uh, sort of scenarios. Um, you know, I'll, I'll eat fast food every once in a while. And I'll tell you what, I feel immediately horrible actually within five minutes i regret the decision immediately so i only do it like twice a year if that one because i'm a chef so i cook all the time and it's easy and fun for me and i and i like it but you know every once in a while you're just like okay i'll get this and yeah, i regret it immediately because it does it, you know it god and then you're in a bad mood the rest of the day right yeah. and now all the choices you make there's this ripple effect yeah. you're right you're right yeah. It's it's crazy. I've actually never thought about it this deeply before, to be honest with you. So th this has been great to talk about I'm, it like this. I'm glad. Yeah. You think about like the European cultures too. Uh, in some ways, because this is a remembering. This consciousness is a remembering. We did have it at some point. We lost it through industrialization in the name of progress. And it's a remembering, it's going back to the earth, back to the simplicity, back to the fundamentals. You know, the idea of like, you know, when you were in Spain, the way that they treat the ham and the pigs that create it and the way they slice it and the way you eat it and what you drink it with and what kind of bread are you going to have it with and which cheese are you going to pick with it? And then it's just simple. It's ham and bread and cheese and a bit of wine. So simple. And same thing with like France, this idea of like a ripe tomato and a baguette and like a, a slab of goat cheese and like, that's it. You know, that's like, that yeah. is considered like, oh, couldn't get better than this. And it's the truth, it couldn't. Yeah. And I think with Western Americans, in some ways we, I mean, I could go on and on, but we, we signed away our freedom on almost every level. And we've kept this pseudo freedom that basically translate as, well, I'm free because I can eat whatever the F I want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm free because I can, you know, I can't eat fast food all the time. I can eat pizza or I can do this or I can do that. And don't take my freedom away. Don't tell me where my food's coming from because this is all I got left, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so hopefully like, it, like I said, it comes down to like, what do you want for yourself? Like, how are you willing to take care of this vessel that you've been gifted? Yes. And if you can't, you know, inspire people to, you know, care about the plants, and the, you know, the planet and the animals, then it's like, how do we then inspire them to want to care for themselves and to treat themselves like the supreme being that they are? And, you know, that's what I do with people when, I, you know, that's what I'm trying to do with these videos I create. And I don't know what happens with the acting industry. Who knows? And it really doesn't matter at this point. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, like you possibly with this podcast, this could become something where you, you know, can be wherever and cook anywhere because of what this could do for you. I think we're all going through that. And also this idea of if we just talk about these things, right, we're putting seeds, we don't know where it goes, but somebody finds it, then they share it, then they share it. And it goes back to that hundredth monkey that, you know, yeah. you're worth it. You were worth it. 
I like that. You're worth it. That's right. That's, worth it. You're you worth good quality food. And it's not that you're like, and also there's a place, like you said, there's a place for the fast food and there's a place for like the pizza and the popcorn and the, you know, the Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. And those become these, these moments of indulgence that we also need. Yeah. Not this total oversaturation and this like sort of addiction to consumption because that's all we have left to say that we're free people. <laughs> I agree. It's, it, it is crazy, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of ironic because they limit themselves in a lot of ways. Right. So it's, you, you would figure, um, yeah, it, it is a crazy scenario. And especially in Texas where it's like just very, I, I've sort of moved in and out of Texas, you know, my whole life, you know, so you sort of come back and, 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 but there's always this underlying thing about Texans that's very, you know, I don't know, just very, you know, family oriented, right? Southern, we're all good old boys and that, and that sort of thing. So you would think that mo more people would care about the food and that they're supporting farmers and that, that, you know, this style of thing. It surprises me that, you know, people then end up just, they get in the, they get in the van and drive to Chili's. And just totally ruin it, in my opinion, just ruin the whole, you know, Texas dream, if you will, of, okay, blue collar worker, we work, we're going to take care of our families and, you know, be good people and, you know, volunteer here and give to charity and what, whatever we're going to do. But then the food, right? They're just like completely forgotten. It's just completely pushed to the side, just it, forgotten. It's like... I we got to get into the masculines in the South. And like my mama always said, if you, <laughs> if you, if you want a man to do something, you got to make him think it's his idea. <laughs> That's so true. My wife would agree with that. <laughs> so it's that idea. Absolutely. It's that concept. Like it's got, that's a great point. From, it's got to come point, from, yeah. You got to inspire them from their baseline. And I mean, this is where you have, you're going to have that power, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, um, it's tough. Again, I, I, I do see things changing. I see more people concerned about it. Maybe I live in a bubble because most of my friends are, you know, own restaurants or food trucks or something along those lines. Um, so maybe I'm in a bubble of sorts. Uh, but you know, I, I owned a, a food truck and catering business and restaurant here in Austin for five years. I, I closed it last year and I can tell you people, people want good food. They, they, they really, again, if you make it easy for them, they, they'll make the choice for, for you. You know, they'll, they'll just they'll easily make the choice. It's, 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 you know, it's easy for them. And at the same time, if they feel like they're helping small business, you know, America at the same time, that's a win-win for them. Maybe that's the, yeah. that's the way in yeah maybe you're right maybe that's the the you know the key to it or whatever the yeah 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 because you do i mean the great thing about southern men they're really masculine and yeah. there's a I hate it hate that honestly <laughs> be right. a man i've hated that my whole life uh, hearing that yeah oh, trust me, no. yeah but imagine taking all of that masculine energy and putting it behind something like sustainability, we'd be, we'd have it in a year. 
you're 100% right. And it wouldn't go away, right? They'd protect it at all costs. Oh, my That's God. Like yeah. With AK. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, fellas, if you're listening, like, we need you. Like, yeah. I want the men to, like, rise up to protect, like, the land and to demand, like, no, we are worth it. We are better. We deserve it. We're going to make this healthy. Like, we get the men, Southern men behind it. My God. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That that is a good point. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see that the the you know this pandemic is is making good changes in the industry. Now, granted, you know, if you were to watch the news or whatever, maybe see it from one particular filter, you know, you're seeing restaurants struggling, and and all that's true, and and it's heartbreaking. Uh, but there are, you know, I mean, if you're just going to talk about facts, there are good things happening as well because of it. You know, so. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll see. Like you said, more people cooking home. That's a huge, huge plus. Huge plus. Yeah. And huge plus. I'm sure it was a big transition, but on the other side of it, like <laughs> I think we're gonna be a healthier nation on the other side of what this has done. You <laughs> yeah. know? That's weird it to say like, during a pandemic, right? It is. But <laughs> it's there's it's just it's for some people to think about their immune system and what they eat and and i'm washing hands and careful and you know yeah right and maybe we have to, you know it's always we have to go to one extreme to come to the, 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 the it's the pendulum swing the pendulum oh swing. i see yeah and i think yeah. 21 22 23 that's just exciting times i mean we had we were we were heading for a meltdown you know you can't push, 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 push like that with like, and not, we were so one focused and li literally like losing sight of like, if we don't care for the thing that we're spinning around the sun on, then like there is no us, something that that's true. Yeah. You know, now yeah, but, but so true though. <laughs> it's like, it's so true. Yeah. We get myopic. We do. Yep. How has, um, you know, did you have any work or any sort of any projects you were working on that, that got canceled through this that you had to? Yeah. Yeah. And Damn. Um, producing a short, two short films with a dear friend of mine. And we're trying to figure out, like, how do we do that now? And because, you know, as a producer, you have to take so many precautions to protect people. And then then you're also dealing with you know, everything is so polarized in our country, you know, you're dealing with those polarities, you know, certain people who are super, super scared and certain people who are like, I'm more worried about everybody's mental health. So it's a real divide. And even as far as like masks, certain people who are like, well, we'd be wearing masks every moment. Like other people who are like, I'm not going to be able to work if I'm wearing, you know, it's yeah. a whole, it's interesting. It's, it was fascinating in 2013, the World Health Organization released some, some statement where they were like, we're not worried about actual like illness in 2020. What we're worried about is mental health. That's what wow. 2020 we're the most worried about. I mean, ironic all over the place, but sure. it, it is like, I don't, I guess I'm bringing mental health up with the acting industry. That's interesting. Um, I, I uh, it's part of the restaurant industry. I can tell you that right now. So yeah. I, I, I'm not sure how, uh, you know, everything 
I'm looking at the material that I'm producing and thankfully the material is so, so intense that it's not going to be toned up. But there is a lot that may be after this. This is, this isn't just about, you know, a pandemic. This is a much, this is a multi-layered, multi-dimensional experience that we're in and a, a node point of such massive change that it's going to ripple out through time and how that affects the acting world is yet to be seen. And, you know, some people are having productive productions. They're, they're completing, you know, I have a friend who just finished something in Canada and there's pockets of it starting up. And, and for me, I'm like, you know, life has humbled me at, so many levels so many times that for me i just lift it up and i'm like you if you want me to keep acting powers that be facilitate it if you want me to keep you know show me where i can be of most use show me where i can make the biggest difference and give me peace with that road so wow. will these projects get made i hope and then there were some bigger projects that I was pinned for that are keep being pushed and like, will those happen? I don't know, but I'm, my purpose acting is just a part of it. And it's been amazing and humbling. I mean, just the amount of rejection, like even when, you know, people thought, Oh, she's famous and she's successful and she's been in all these movies or TV shows or whatever. And it was like, no, I'm still getting rejected. You know, <laughs> it, it's been a, Weirdly enough, like very much like a father energy, like a really stern father energy is what that my career as an actress has been for me. It's really kept me in line and humbled me at every turn where, you know, I just couldn't get too prideful because it would just bitch slap me down. I mean, it really would. And you mean just like, you you know, you got a role, you're riding high and then you're thinking, okay, I'm just getting everything that's, is that what you mean? Like, I'm going to get everything now. Yeah. John Carter, which was like, you know, it was a three picture deal. It was like, this is it. This is it, girl. You know, you <laughs> I know, made like, it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was flown out to New York to like test for contact, not contact. Um, oh, the... Sandra Bullock, that she won the Oscar for the astronaut movie. I mean, I oh, mean, uh, gravity. Yes, I remember on that plane ride being like, "I made it," you know, like <laughs> yes. And then just like a year later, it was like, oh, like got like sand through my hands, sand through my hands. And even like getting to that place, and kind of looking around and being like, "Ooh," but I still feel. I still feel sadness in my heart. Like I still feel, I'm still thinking about, you know, the bad things that happened in my childhood. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't able to enjoy it. And I don't even know what that means. Like fame is such a, this, like, how do you enjoy fame? Like, because yeah. it is like, it's a, because it's an illusion. It's there's, you can't quantify it. It's like never enough. And becomes like this chasing a mirage. I mean, that's how it felt. Yeah. That's how it feels. So I don't know. I don't know where it goes. Oh, that's I crazy. Know. No, I, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I've always, you know, what, what is fame exactly? Is it just that more people know you than other people? 
is that I, I still haven't figured it out. Yeah. On one level, like as an actor, you want you want people to see your project. So if sure. there is a quantifying of, you know, how many people saw your project, how, sure. you know, how many people knew you were in that project, so that they want you in the next project. But then it's it's really like, okay. You know, it's like uh, it, the same thing I would imagine, like with large amounts of money. And you're like, okay, I got all this, but now I got to get more so that if I lose that, I'm, a, you know, it becomes yeah. like, talk about neurosis. You know, <laughs> it becomes like a, you're trying to pad yourself from it being ripped from you. Yeah. Oh, so that's interesting I, way to look at that. Wow. That is insightful. Yeah. Finally, I was just like, who am I seeking validation from and why? Yeah. And it literally came down to like, you know, mommy and daddy and older sisters and the community that I grew up in. And, you know, I was kind of different, not kind of, I was different <laughs> both because of what I had lost, but also what I'd seen and at such a young age and really wanting to feel seen and acknowledged for that difference but that's not what fame does you know and that's not what money does i mean that has to come from you your own back to you're worth it you know you have to do that for yourself you have to validate yourself that's, that's you know that's the journey of all all of us that we have sure. to undertake and that ends up being self-sovereignty where you're not looking for somebody else to validate you. That's where great relationships happen. You know, when you're not expecting them to fill your cup. So you're just meeting people where they're at and things can really grow. And that's business relationships too. That's friendship. That's all of it, you know, and filling the cup. When we go back to food, literally the, the phrase is you have to fill your own cup. <laughs> yeah. So it does, it starts with that, these basics of taking care of your body and, and do you feel like your body is a gift? You know, how much, how much do you love being a human being? Do you like being alive? Do you want to live? I mean, that's a question nobody asks anybody. Like, do you really want to live? Yeah. And if you really do, it's a choice, especially in hard times to be like, yes, I do. And so this is what I'm going to do to make this as beautiful as possible. And we have a support system that this planet is and gives where all of us could be eating beautifully all the time. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's a, I don't know if you saw this movie on Netflix about, this um i think it was called the platform in english it was a spanish film actually from spain and it was about this uh platform that lowered and it had all it was a table of food that went down you know i don't know how many 300 levels and each level there's less food so obviously the people at the bottom are getting scraps or nothing and it would you would spend 30 days on different levels and it would just randomly throw you around and it was just a great you know oh it's such a great movie and and it really like, you know, the people at the top would just gorge themselves and gorge and, and you know, get all the food it just like cra crazily, it, knowing that if they just took the, the, the right amount for themselves, there would actually be enough by the time it got to the bottom that everyone would get an equal share. 
but you see that people aren't that way. Well, that's you know, what happens for, with the toilet paper. Yeah. Boy, if that's not true, <laughs> it's so true. But another great thing that's happened is that this, the collective state, our mental collective state, and our, our emotional state has been revealed. Yeah. You know what I mean? This yeah. is why I stopped watching The Walking Dead because I was like, <laughs> this is close to home. This is going to be closer to home than anybody knows. <laughs> Boy, you, you are so right. Like, uh, you know, I've, I tried to watch... Um, Contagion, I think it is, oh. uh, the Soderbergh. I mean, I mean, halfway through it, I'm like, this is whole. This is happening. This is what is happening right now. I could live this. I, I can literally go to the grocery store right now and, and live this scene. Um, it's just, um, yeah, it's insane to, to watch that sort of stuff. You know, speaking of those movies, I, I have to bring this up because I, I love this movie you were in last year called Rim, Rim of the World, Rim to the World. What? Yes, um, Rim of the World. Rim of the World. I can't tell you how much I loved that movie. I when I saw that movie, I was not expecting that movie. Right when I saw, I remember I just flipped it on. Boom! I laughed so hard. Those kids in that movie were, and you were so great. Uh, you know, you play such an integral part of the film, but um, it's just such a great movie. I mean, and that could happen. I feel like that's gonna. Did you see the alien stuff they just talk about? Maybe releasing. I feel like twenty twenty is. This is the craziest year. You know what it feels like? I was thinking about this yesterday as I was on a walk. I was like, when shit really hits the fan, like we're so used to bonding through chaos anyway. Like there's so much happening right now, like underneath. Some of it probably pretty shitty, but a lot of it really amazing because yeah. When we're when it's this heightened, like this is when people fall massively in love. This is when like major ideas are birthed and major inventions and that's true. You know, collectives coming together and I know you know the it's interesting. Back to astrology in astrology, the hardest transits are really called like these Pluto transits when Pluto is aspecting different parts because Pluto is like the volcano. It's eruption. It's power. It's your relationship with power, just really difficult. It's like, you really have to man up and strife, strife, strife. But when that transit passes, usually people look back and they're like, oh, I miss it because of how much they gained from yeah. it. And wow. of how heightened and, and, and inevitably that heightenedness I don't, is, is also a sexuality. It's, it inspires creativity, which is sexuality, which is spirituality. So we, it's been revealed how sick we all are, how sick we are as a country, as a globe. We can't put that information back in a box, right? We're, right. Seeing, we're like so much information is being manipulated. We all, we all know, regardless of where you are on your polarity, all levels, information manipulated, censored, whether you believe with what's being censored or not, it's all being revealed and what we do with it is is going to be so interesting and it's like with any great art you know in some ways this is like a wartime <laughs> and this is where great great creation is seated and and manifests so yes there's all these hard parts about it but it's the 
it's the strength that we gain from like pushing up against it. You know, it's like, you got to do the push up out of it. You got to like pull up into something new and that's creating a different kind of strength that we need for these next steps. This is going to be a lot of cleanup and it's going to take outside of the box thinking and it's going to take a humility and acceptance and camaraderie. Yeah. Not a whole lot of room for pride. Back to Texas. Not a whole lot of room for pride right Not now. Not at all. Not, none. You, zero right? room for right? pride. I agree. And if you are going to be having pride, it needs to be because you're creating help for yourself and others and, and avenues of that. You know? holding someone else's hand through it. It's like a, it's just like a great reckoning. Yeah. It's prophesied for thousands of years that this time would come where we'd hit this rock bottom to ultimately skyrocket into what they call the new earth. And, you know, we're, we're birthing it. And, you know, with birth, you know what birth is like. It's like blood. I've I've been through it one time. I just... (laughs) It's horrible. It's so painful. <laughs> I, you know, I, my wife and I have decided not to have kids, but you know, there's a chance that could change. Um, we've always thought we wanted to adopt, to be honest with you. Um, you know, this we have two rescue dogs, so I, not that that's a comparison, but just the idea but, that there's kids without homes, and yeah. if I could make that happen, I, I would do. You know, I have a few friends that have done that, and they've loved loved doing that, but. You know, the idea of, I told my wife, if you did have a bit, I don't think I could be in there with you if you were giving oh. birth. I, I, you know, I, I just, I can barely handle a cut uh, sometimes, you know, I don't know. Ooh. Women are, are so strong. I, I just don't even know how it's done. Uh, after I, after I delivered my son, I had a totally different relationship with every woman in my life. Yeah. It's- I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine. I, my wife talks about it all the time. She's like, I don't want to. That's what she says. She doesn't want to have a baby. She's like, I don't want to squeeze a watermelon through, out you know, a, whatever, you know. Yeah. Out of a out of a, a bottle or something, you know, just like yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, I just. Oh, gosh, I, I just. But well, it's obviously, you know, it's a part of. Yeah, it's a part of life. Obviously, it needs to happen um, for us to keep moving forward as as humanity so it's necessary i think adoption is incredible and noble and it's actually something i'm considering because i'm 43 now and yeah. you know if i would i think i'd keep having kids god it's all about for me like who's the right man though because like my god as soon as like <laughs> like as soon as i became a mother like i was like a different woman i was like yeah. what i'm attracted to pre-birth after it was like a whole different sect of society you know <laughs> I was like wow this changed everything that's so everything. funny that's so funny but i get it right you're, you're looking at different features you think you need right in a in a mate uh, the, yeah. b- uh before you weren't looking for you didn't weren't even thinking about but i think what's great is the relationship that we can have with children to instill in them values that, you know, the values that we're talking about here, like, and however you do that, whether that's through having children, whether that's teaching children, like 
doesn't really matter. It's just how do we give them ideas that are going to help them exist in a, a, a world that is changing so rapidly for them. Who knows they're going to have to face, you know? Yeah, and we're the elders so now, and it's our responsibility. You know, we can't fail them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's been a lot, uh, you know, from when we grew up, I'm 40. You're a couple years older than me, but, you know, pretty much grew up in the 80s as far as that goes. And, you know, that's a completely different childhood than, than there is now. Just like our parents used to tell us, you know, my dad used to say, I walked up a hill both ways, you know, to school, through the snow, whatever, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, he really used to do that stuff, <laughs> you know, and it just look, he would look at me. I, I think you just look at my brother and I like you guys just don't know anything. You don't know any struggle really at all. Uh, and now I look at kids and think the same thing. You don't know any struggle <laughs> at all. Uh, you know, it's it's such a funny transition uh, how that happens. So you're right. I, I hope I hope that that tradition continues that we teach kids these values. And I think that's it. That valuing things is the key to it. Understanding its value can help you on anything, understanding anything that's given to you or you or you have to give. You like know. we're even having a global conversation on like the value of life right now. I mean, it is all, we talk about that Uranus and Taurus and Taurus representing what we value, what we don't value, what is value. All of a sudden we're like, oh my God, <laughs> we're literally having to be like, okay, this, we mean literally like talking about life. A human life being perhaps by some not valued and difficult dialogue, painful dialogue, but like that's what 2020 is about. 2020 is about like what is most difficult? Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, especially now. Let's just get it all out on the table. What are we waiting for? Like, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I mean, that's how I see it. And you're right. People should look at it as an opportunity to you know, lift themselves up and sort of lean into this. Um, yeah. You're right. I mean, you're 100% right. I tell clients who come in with like relationship problems. I'm like, dude, everything out on the table. I'm yeah, like, if, exactly. if you've had emotional affairs, if you like whatever you've done, this is your time. This is your time to get it out. Root it out. Take it out. Put it on the table. Let it live on the table and not in your body, toxifying your mind, body, and spirit. And then let the cards fall how they fall. That's what's happening collectively. That's what's happening personally. And it really comes down to like, what do you have to do so that when you're going to bed at night, you're like, I was the best person I could be today, you know? And that right. means that you're then gonna wake up in that same mentality. Yeah. So yeah, it's like all on the table. Every, everything can be forgiven. But if it's kept inside, it kills. It, it makes us sick. So I think that's what's happening with humanity, you know? We're like getting it all out. And it's so ugly, right? Just like cheating. When, you know, when you, it's revealed. And, you know, I've had to do that. I've had to be like, tell somebody I cheated on them. That 2020 is that. <laughs> like, I may lose this. I may lose what I knew to be what I wanted. But inevitably, on the other side of that, I was more authentic, you know, and that relationship was was over anyway, and it it gave that person freedom too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We have been all over the map. 
<laughs> I love it. That's why I love podcasts. That's why I love. Uh, that's why I love just having a conversation with somebody. I don't like having a list of questions and everything, you know, boxed boxed in or whatever. Um, I just like to let it go organically and just talk to somebody. Well, I am so yeah. glad you asked me to do this. Yeah, really, this was awesome. Awesome, and. Right. I am going to listen to this and I'm going to listen to your other ones and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Lynn. That means a lot. Thank you so much. I'm already a fan. So I've already watched a lot. I actually just, I hadn't watched Bosch before ah. and I watched, um, I watched your season, but then I was like, this show's awesome. Yes. So I went, I, yeah, I went back and I was like, holy, I'm starting on season one. So I'm actually halfway through season one. Now I'm going to, you know, catch up. Uh, to, you were so good in the show. You were so good in that show. You play. Uh, I, I just, I, I just can't imagine acting. It seems so crazy to me um, as somebody who's not, you know, not an actor. Um, to just be somebody you're not, and to play these sort of, you know, games. I guess it is. Um, yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's just so crazy. You know, you're so talented. First of all, so yeah, you did a great job in that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Working with Titus and Jamie is super fun. And they've been working with each other for like seven years. So there's this bedrock there. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Great. And acting has been really therapeutic for me, you know? Like, I think had I not had those outlets to get out some of like my angst and anger, because, you know, it may not, these the circumstances that my characters have been in, like, it may not be... The circumstances I've been in per se, but I've been in places where I'm extremely angry or I've had to be super manipulative or whatever. Like, Oh, I on, see. Okay. On one level, the way that I approach is funny because people are like, you're playing lots of bad people lately. Like literally the, <laughs> year, the movie that came out and the TV series that came out, I'm like a murderer. Yeah, murderer. <laughs> they're like, wow. And what's going on? <laughs> But, projecting know, no i'm joking, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> i i i feel like the more i heal as a human and the more i do the forgiveness work forgiving myself forgiving others you know forgiving the collective forgiving so much then the more i'm able to step into these difficult archetypes and like hold space for it because we all have these parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at, like the bad parts, right? Yeah. The, the one who wants revenge, the one who's been hurt, the one who does want to kill, you know, look at our society. Like it's, but, but once it's out in the open and once we're looking at it, it, it takes the pressure off. And I think that's why TV and film and art and all of that is so important because it does allow a collective release of this archetypal energy. And yeah. I feel like if I need, if, if I'm the person who's holding that archetype for all of us to have that catharsis and that release, well, good. Cause I can do it and I can do it in a healthy way for myself. So awesome. I would probably predict that if I do continue to act, I bet people cast me more and more, and what you would consider like darker or like evil roles because I'm like, yeah, let's look at it. Let's look, <laughs> let's not be scared. Look, look, I love that. It, you know? Yeah. I've, I've, I have seen interviews with some actors say that playing the villain can be more fun even, um, 
you know, I guess maybe you get a better monologue or something in it. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that works. I, I know like when I was this Beneath Us movie, which is very controversial that I was in where I play like a crazy racist bitch, homicidal, crazy racist, you know, when I was to get to those places, because I'm not a racist, but to get to those places, I had, there were scenarios in my life where I could have let my anger and fear send me to such dark, spiteful, horrible places. And it was like, okay, I can, I can call upon that here to tell this story because we've all been there where you get, you feel so violated, you feel so threatened that hatred comes up. And I think that that is a natural human process, but, but acting on the hatred is, is where we get into so much trouble because what I think we're intended to do is when that, that feeling of being threatened comes up, we then have to change ourselves so that we are no longer threatened. Like, what do you need to do to feel secure so that this other isn't threatening you? You know, what do you need to work on? Perhaps this is just, a, they're just a trigger for something that happened in your childhood, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's always comes back to self mastery and self sovereignty. And our art can be a catalyst for that. If, again, comes back to consciousness. If, if, if we want it to be, if we're aware that it can be, back yeah. to food, right? The food you eat can become this source of raising your vibration so that you can really truly create that life of happiness and joy that you deserve that's your birthright. Or not, depending on how much you're going to value it. That's right. Yeah. How much, how much time and value and attention, uh, you give it. A absolutely. hundred percent. Ah, gosh, Lynn, this has been amazing. Um, talking oh, to you about it. all the stuff. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm, it's been, it's been awesome. Um, I wasn't expecting just to have this conversation to be honest with you. Um, you know, I thought, okay, we'll just talk about acting and you know how you get into acting and all this stuff. And, this has been a thousand times better. Um, you know, our listeners and viewers are going to be super happy with this. I'm so glad. And thank you everyone for listening to it. Yeah, I, I do hope, I hope that all of you take something, something life changing from it. You know, these little nuggets can grow into like the acorn grows into the oak tree. I like that. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Which is, which is very Austin. The oak trees of Austin. That's true. That's I, that's we're, very we're, true. We're bringing it right around full circle. <laughs> you did that on purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Lynn, tell people how they can, you know, connect with you online. You know, your social media or website or something. Um, okay. You know, yes. Well, first, we'll go the most direct route. If you want to contact me directly, you can email info at thegoodwoo.org. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Lynn Collins. I also have a second handle, which is at The Good Woo with Lynn Collins. Um, I have a website, thegoodwoo.org, and I do all sorts of things. I make lots of videos, do lots of teachings. I also have a patron community on Patreon, which has like four different tiers, and they get lots of extra, more in-depth, like the super woo-woo 
stuff. <laughs> um, and I do one-on-one sessions with people and it's on a sliding scale right now. And it's exactly, you know, what we work with is exactly what we're talking about here of like bringing our, what's holding us back, bringing it to consciousness so we can release it so that we can be creating what we truly want in our lives. It's, we have that power and I just help people see that and, you know, make sure that they take it back from wherever they gave it away to. That is powerful unto itself. Um, I agree hundred percent. Well, Lynn, um, you know, I wish you the best through all of this time. I hope uh, those projects that you did have, I, I do hope that they come to fruition. I, I think they will. I think eventually, you know, I, I have to believe it. I, I'm a very positive person, to be honest with you. I'm always looking forward to the next day. And I, I do believe we'll we'll pull together and, and all get through this. Um, so, yeah, I wish you the best on all your projects. And again, great job on on Bosch again. That was awesome. Thank you. I'm going <laughs> to find you when I'm next in Austin. Absolutely, of course. Uh, anytime. Um, absolutely. And I'll tag you um, when we put this episode out and everything. Um, we'll, we'll send you an email and everything about it. So, Brilliant. Keep going. Thank you. You as well. Uh, my best to uh, yours and, and your family and your son and everything. Um, you guys uh, stay safe during these, t- during these times. You too. Thank you again, Lynn. Bye. The Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. (laughs) 